You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Mike Melito. Let me ask you this Have you ever had just one of those days? Are you having one of those days? It's okay, you're in a safe place. You could, you know, you're like, I'm having one of those days. I just don't want to see my family, my family see me put my hand up. Okay. There was a day, and I've shared this with some, uh, but this is a while back now. It was a Sunday, and it looked to me like it was going to be one of those days. You know, one of those days, any day of the week is still one of those days. But if I have one of those days on a Sunday, it's a like extra one of those days, right? I got stuck on my way to church, behind traffic to get out of my driveway that day. There was road construction, and there was a line of cars in front of my driveway. I couldn't even get out of my driveway. So that was the beginning of the day, right? Then I get to church, and I open my notes to check on them, and half of them were gone, like just disappeared. And then the other half that were still there, they were all in the wrong order. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it's a Word document. What, what happened from last night when I went over this, three days ago when I went over this, to today? Like, every time I went into these notes this last week, everything was in order. Sunday morning, it's gone. What in the world is that about? So, then, I, I, the other thing I, I did that day is, I'm always shuffling with my keys, Um, And this is actually smaller than it used to be. There used to be a lot more keys, but this is still, I hate having this in my pocket. In fact, I only had it in my pocket today as an illustration because it drives Donya even more nuts. She's like, you can't have stuff like that in your pocket bulging out over there. It just looks weird. You need to get it out. So, So in an effort to solve that problem, I have my office, or my office used to be over here, and I would lock up my coat, my wallet and stuff in there, and I'd have to have my keys. Well, I thought it would be really cool a really smart idea, just take the key to my office off my key ring and only carry that key, and the rest of my keys can be in there. See, problem solved, I have the key, and I don't have to have these, right? So, so I do that, and I leave my office, except for one thing. Uh, I took all the other keys, and I left the key I needed in my office with my notes that were off and my Bible, Okay, service is getting ready to start now. So I'm thinking, okay, no worries. Judy, if you, Judy um, was our admin. By the way, you need to pray for uh, Ron, her husband. Um, he's, he's in the hospital and um, just pray that God would heal. He, they need a miracle. Pray for them. But it, Judy was on it. And so I thought, Judy has a spare key in her office. So I'll just go get that spare key. Wait, wait, no, wait. Wait a minute. I used the spare key a few weeks ago and then forgot it was in my pocket and it's at the house. (sighs) It gets better. I begin to try to then break into my office. (laughs) Service is starting and one of our security members, members of the security team walks around the corner and sees me trying to break into my office while church is starting, okay? And they're like, I don't even know what's happening right now, Pastor Mike. What are you doing? So I explain, and he goes, oh, no problem. Judy has extra keys, and I'm like, oh, no, no. So, but Judy then comes out of her office, and she's saying, why are you trying to break into your office? I'm like, isn't it obvious? I can't get in, right? And uh, 
I explain the situation, and she says, well, what about the spare? And I'm like, it's at home. And shamefully, it's at home. It's at home. She goes, you're the one who took the key. I see. That's okay. I have another one that I hid from you. <laughs> A million reasons why Judy and now Amy, they're just awesome people that we rely on, and we don't get to always see what they do, but it, it makes a big difference. So she gets her key, and I get my Bible and my notes, and I go to head in the service, but then I get stopped, okay? Everything's shuffled. I don't even know if my notes are in the right way still, and I get stopped. Uh, I think it was by Ciola, and she, she said, hey, Theo is, is in the family room, and she needs prayer. She was in the ER yesterday, and we, we need to pray for her. And I'm, you know, as a pastor and as a Christian, by the way, we should be always ready for that. We should not stop and say, hey, I can't do that right now. I'll do it later. So that's my conviction, right? So I'm like, okay, let's go pray for her. Service is going on. I don't know where my notes are. I just had to get, I got caught breaking into my office. <laughs> let's go pray for Theo. So I, we, I pray for Theo, and, uh, and, and that, that went well. She had been in the ER because her blood pressure was like 200 over 120 the day before. And she, here she was in church on Sunday. Um, but I get to this point where I begin to suspect that this service is going to be out of this world. Because why else would all these crazy distractions happen? Sometimes when worship team is rehearsing and, and we're getting ready for service and things just aren't. They're just not there genuinely. This is not anecdotal. This is genuine. A lot of times it's mornings and days like those where there's real breakthrough in the service. And in some ways, those distractions are distractions because our enemy knows it's going to be a good time, right? And if you want to know, by the way, just another plug, because someone told me, that if you want to know how our enemy works, you need to go pick up and watch the movie Nefarious. Because... He will try to distract and deter you from ever doing anything in connection with God. We might think we might be winning in life, but apart from God, it doesn't mean anything. So, so I'm starting to think this is going to be a, a really great day, and I'm not going to let these distractions get to me. So we go on with the service, and while... Worship is wrapping up, and I come up to pray. Uh, Theo <laughs> starts walking up the aisle, and I'm like, uh-oh, what's happening? Is she okay? And uh, anytime, by the way, you know, your pastor or anybody's up here praying, and someone just starts walking up to you in front of everyone, it's like, okay, what's about to happen? This is, okay, I didn't know this was happening. She comes up, and she says, I just wanted to tell you, because the doctor wanted me to check my blood pressure intermittently throughout the day, my blood pressure, I just checked it before I came in here, was 130 over 70. Wow. <laughs> and so I, I have to admit something. My honest first thought when she told me she was in the ER all day Saturday with a blood pressure like 200 over 120, my honest first thought, and I'm ashamed to say this as your pastor, but I'm a human being just like you, is what are you doing here? Your blood pressure was how high? You need to be home resting. That's the conventional wisdom. And I'm not saying that that's wrong if that's what you need to do. But at the same time, my follow-up question to myself is, what if she hadn't come and what if she hadn't prayed? Right? 
God does miracles like that and uses our testimonies. By the way, when she came up to tell me and we shared it with the congregation, there were two other people that we, we just went ahead and said, hey, if you need a miracle, let's pray right now. And there were two other people that received healing that day because of that testimony. You guys. God does miracles like that and uses them to spur the faith of others so that we will take time to pray for others and expect good things to happen. Amen? So, I want to go back to this question. What if Theo didn't pray? She wouldn't have been healed. The other two people that received their healing, they wouldn't have been healed. Our faith would not have been stoked. People will say this, and it's a true saying, but what happens when we don't pray? We say nothing, right? But when you think of it, it's actually worse than nothing because of what we're forfeiting. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? What might you have today? What your life might be like today? What drama might be absent from your life today if you have been praying? Oh, pastor, I pray. Is it for more than just the meal you're about to eat? Is it more than just, you know, 30 seconds in a Sunday service? Is it more than just right before a test you're about to take? Or when there's crisis? In this passage, you've heard me say it, and you'll hear me say it a million more times, ask, seek, knock. The actual words, the Greek words are ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking. There's another uh, parable that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 11 that illustrates that point, to keep going. Luke 11, verse 5, he also said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer him from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he's a friend, yet because of his friend's shameless boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. First thought I think of in wintertime, he needs three loaves of bread. There must be a blizzard coming. Bread and milk, okay. But he gives us this story to illustrate the fact that he wants us to be bold and he wants us to continue to ask. And you have to get the context here. He's not saying, annoy me to death. We can't annoy God. There's not been a person in history that by going to God in prayer has annoyed God. There might be other things we do that annoy God, (laughs) but not going to him, right? God wants us to go to him. God wants us to have bold prayers. God wants us to, quote, unquote, inconvenience him. He wants that, right? 
And I want to read this again from a different gospel. So I say to you, in verse 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Ask and keep asking. Seek and keep seeking and you will find. Knock and keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks and keeps asking receives. And the one who seeks and keeps seeking finds. And the one who knocks and keeps knocking, the door will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a, a, a synoptic passage in the Gospels. In this case, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, God's presence. If you ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking, knock and keep knocking, I'm not only going to answer your prayer, I'm going to give you my presence. Right? Which ultimately, above and beyond anything we would be asking for, is exactly what we need. Right? It's what we need. And eventually, even if we don't realize it, we'll come to know we want that in our lives. We want his presence in our lives. And, and frankly, I'll be honest with you, a lot of times he is present in our lives and we're just not noticing it. And prayer helps with that. It changes your perspective. It changes your focus. And you'll stop missing those places where he is present. There's a worship song that we haven't done. It's an older one. But there's a line in the song, a lyric that says, make us more aware of your presence. Right? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Make us more aware of your presence. I love that line because years and years ago, we used to just sing songs begging God to give us his presence. And in hindsight, and at the time, I think, God must be going, I'm here. Where are you? Right? So instead of begging God for his presence, let's just say, God, make me more aware of your presence. He wants to give you his presence. David, King David, who we've been reading about in First and Second Samuel, we'll be back there in a few weeks, in Psalm 63 says this, God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. Have you ever gone through a spiritual dry season? I remember the first time I went through a spiritual dry season. I came to Jesus when I was like 14 years old, and everything was new and exciting for about a year. And then, you know, things just kind of leveled out, and I didn't know what was going on, like, in my mind, I was like, do I, do I not have the Holy Spirit anymore? I just don't get the same goosebumps I got, you know? And it's part of growing up as a Christian and growing in spiritual maturity un to understand, oh, no, we don't live by our feelings. We live by our faith, right? Even David went through dry times. In a dry and weary land, I'm thirsty, I feel like a land that's desolate without water. So you're not alone in your dry times, but God allows those dry times not just to test your faith, yes, to test your faith, but actually it's designed to bring you closer. It's designed to bring you closer. Like David, when you feel those dry times, go to God more. Don't just kind of wait for him to do something. Go to him more, and there's a beautiful transformation that happens when we start going to God for just the things we need, which is totally fine, 
It's what he says to do. Somewhere along the line, as we experience God's presence, it becomes something more almost as if I need your help just to be with you. I just want to be with you, Lord. I just want that. Let me ask you a question going back to Theo. Was it Theo or my prayer or something like that that healed Theo? when we prayed for the, her blood pressure? Was it my prayer? Did I heal Theo? No. It was God that healed Theo. So could it have happened if we didn't pray? I will tell you this. Yes, it could have. He's God. He is mighty. Would it have happened without prayer? No. What is that about? Why is there something we have to do if he's all-powerful? Would he have done it without our prayers? Probably not. He gets the glory for every answered prayer, but he absolutely attaches his miracles and his miraculous works to whether or not we pray. There's a connection there. Why? Why would he do that? Another part of the Bible says that he knows what we need before we even say it. So again, if he already knows what I need, why even say it? You could have a deep, long, philosophical discussion about that, but there's a simple answer. Because as much as we need him to fill a need in our life, as much as we think we want his presence, he longs for our presence. He wants us to come to him because he wants us to be with him. And I don't think I fully understood that until I became a parent. Right? If... Emma and Ethan only ever talk to me when they're in big trouble and need something from me. I'm going to have an empty place in my heart. It's just, I love them and I want to take care of them and I will take care of them. But if the only time they ever talk to me is when they need something, I'd be missing them. Now, I want them to come to me when, I'm, when they need something. In fact, that's probably where the conversation will start most of the time. And I'm perfectly okay with that. I want that. I want them to come to me when they need something. But then I want that to kind of delve in and, and springboard into a relationship we can have. Right? And God, our perfect Father in heaven is no different. It grieves him like it would grieve me. It grieves him when our relationship with him is boiled down to a list of needs, blessing a meal once a week on Sunday when a bunch of other people are there. God wants time with you, right? And as much as we long for God to be in our lives, walk through life situations with us, he longs for us to be in his courts in his praise, with our requests, and ultimately be in relationship, real relationship with us. That's what he wants. There's a passage in Genesis that I think really beautifully illustrates this. And if I could just express my desire with God, This is the kind of relationship I want to have with God. And what I love about it, we're going, to, we're going to read about Abram. And Abram's real with the Lord. He doesn't hold back his doubts. That's what a relationship with God is like. I mean, you, you've got to be honest with him. He knows anyway. 
But when we see this relationship here, it's just so beautiful. Genesis 15, verse 1. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you give me since I'm childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram continued, look, you've given me no offspring, so a slave born in my house will be my heir. He's not, he's not holding back, right? Now the word of the Lord came to him, this one will not be your heir. Instead, one that comes from your own body will be your heir. And this is it. This, this, I imagine this, and in some ways, I, I feel like I have this relationship with God, but I, man, I just, I, I want it. I, I want what he has here. Verse five, God took him outside, and he said, look at the sky. Count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Picture it for a minute. God the Father is telling you, he's giving you all these promises, and you're just being honest. God, there's no way. You haven't even given me a son. What in the world? How am I supposed to believe that? And it's like God just put his arm around Abraham and said, come here. Come here. Let's, let's go outside for a minute. Look up here. Look at, look at the sky with me. Look at all those stars. Isn't it beautiful? Count them. Count those stars if you can. Because this is what I'm going to do for you. I want that kind of relationship with God. And praise God, I've had moments like that. But that's really what prayer is all about. It's not about fasting the right thing or being in the right prayer position or repeating the right words. All those things help us get there, but they're not, they're a means, they're not the end. It's about time with our Father in heaven. He even prays for us. You're like, how does God pray to himself for us? Jesus. Jesus is God and Jesus prays for us. And there's a few times in the New Testament where we really get to see this, something very special. In John chapter 17, he starts praying for uh, himself, for his disciples. And then in verse 20, literally, you and me right here, present day, he starts praying for us. Listen to this. Verse 20, I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their word. May they all be one unity as you, Father, as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you've given me so that they may be one as we are one. We're gonna be praying about unity in the next few weeks. Verse 23, I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one that the world may know who you, may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Just as a side note, this unity, this oneness he's talking about, and as we pray about unity, is it isn't just a pat on ourselves on the back and say, hey, we're one church in four locations and we're all united. He's saying when we get there, when we get to that oneness with each other, the world will know who Jesus is. That's why we want unity. When there's division in the church, it short circuits the, all the work of God. So we need that unity. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so they will see my glory, which you have given me because you have loved me before the world's foundation. 
righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them, and they will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and may be with them. Isn't that beautiful? That's Jesus praying for you. That's Jesus praying for us, right? We pray to be with God. We pray for God's presence. We pray for God to do things. God himself is praying for those things. And things happen when we align those prayers with God's. Our lives change. Our hearts change. Our perspectives change. Miracles happen. Remember, without prayer, they don't happen. Why? Because God isn't capable without our prayers? No, because God wants us to be a part of the miracle. He wants us to be a part of that so that just like I would with Ethan, like, hey, man, good job doing that on the drums, man. Good job putting that time in. Wow, look at what we did, right? And all glory to God, but he wants us to be part of it. None of those things happen. None of those things. Miracles, heart change, life change, our health, our mental health, all those things are on the line when it comes to prayer. All of them. I think sometimes we get that philosophically, but let that sink in on a practical level. In your life, what would be different if prayer was more of a priority? Because even right now, Jesus is praying for you, and God is saying, please, come. I want you in my presence. And whatever it is you're suffering, whatever confusion you have isn't from me, and if you would spend some time with me, things would change, right? You know, Jesus is literally, literally right now, as we sit here, right now he's still praying for us. Romans chapter eight, verse 31. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also grant us everything Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? That's you and me. God is the one who justifies. Who who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus, the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God, and he's interceding for us. He's at the right hand of God right now, and he's praying for you. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we were made more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels nor rulers, nor things present or things to come, nor powers or height or depth or anything created or any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's one thing not on this list. All these things, I don't think any of these things can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Only we can do that. Only we can separate ourselves from the love of our Lord. 
He doesn't mention that here. He doesn't say that that can't do it. I, I love that passage, and, and many people use this passage as an excuse maybe to just live without, I can just do whatever I want because nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. That's called cheap grace, and it doesn't exist. Because we can walk away from the love of God. And I love you, but if you're not spending time in prayer on a regular basis, you are walking away from God. You're like, no, I'm not. I listen to the Christian radio station. I, I come to church two, th- at least two times a month. I do the things. I could have kids living in my house. That doesn't mean we have a relationship. I, I live with Danya, my wife, who I love. That, does, that by itself doesn't mean we have a relationship. You get me? He wants that relationship with you. He wants you to pray, not because it's some kind of exercise that you have to do to jump through a hoop, but because he knows what you're missing when you don't. All the things we just read about. It's 2024. I already told you last week, don't waste your time on New Year's resolutions. You typically give up on them in three weeks. Well, this is three weeks of prayer, so perfect, right? That's all we're asking for, what you would have done anyway and then failed. But if you do this for three whole weeks, you will succeed. It's the perfect New Year's resolution, and it's one that will reap dividends all year long. Say, I don't know how to pray. Coming to these prayer meetings will help with that. That's the whole reason why we do that. It's why we do Saturday prayer. It's why we do 21 days of prayer. You say, I don't know how to pray for an hour. You're like, wow, an hour? Well, when we come together, you'll see how that happens. On the times that you can't come and you say, I can't do an hour, I don't know. Man, five minutes is better than nothing. All right? Just do something. How do I do it? The apostles asked Jesus the same question, and in Luke 11, he says this, pray like this, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the honor forever. Amen. It's a model. It's not something necessarily to recite, although it's a beautiful thing to commit to memory. But there's, the whole prayer is really important, but there's one stanza that I really want to focus. You say, how do I pray? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And let me bring it a little bit closer to home. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Don't go looking around the world, go into hell in a handbasket and say, man, they just need to let God's kingdom come. It starts right here. Why? Because God's restoring work on earth. He wants to do through the church. That's his plan. You are God's plan. So it's got to start here. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me as it is in heaven. Let's stand together as we pray.
for the next three weeks, we, we're going to spend an hour in prayer. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but the prayers at the same time all three weeks. We had in the past done a morning and then another week uh, in the afternoon and one in the evening. We felt like maybe that was a little confusing for people, and none of us wanted to get up for 6.30 a.m., so it's 6.30 p.m. Every, every night for the next three weeks, right? Sorry for you morning people. Um, but 6.30 p.m., by the way, that was the most, like, the, the reason why we picked that actually is because that was the highest attended of the three weeks. So not because we're lazy and we don't want to get up in the morning. But 6.30 p.m. for one hour, you say, Pastor, that's when I get home. That's when my family has dinner, whatever else. Look, lead your family in this way and make it part of your family time. Lead your family this way and make it part of it. Get together and pray together and then get dinner or don't because you're fasting. Or have dinner together and let's all do the Daniel fast. We'll all have lentils or whatever it is. But make it part part of that. How amazing would it be? You say, kids, all right, we're going to come to prayer. And then your conversations after about a week or two start being about what God's doing. Don't look at it as a sentence to say, I got to give up my evenings. Look at it as an opportunity to make an amazing change in your life that's going to mean so much for you and everyone around you. And it starts with you. It starts with me. Let's pray. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.